Critics say the Perfect Pair podcast is a marriage and relationship fixer. Okay. You messed up, you messed up. And I finally had to just say, you know what, I messed up. And right. I left it alone. And then we good. But are we good? Because you still bringing the crap up. <laughs> right. So we obviously ain't good. We good. You having a Will Smith moment. <laughs> Wait, no. The reason why I'm saying. Don't I need to slap the hell out of you. I right wish now. you would. See us two <laughs> fighting on this podcast today. <laughs> what? You lost your damn mind. Download, subscribe anywhere you get podcasts and watch on YouTube. We're so excited. This is our <laughs> podcast number four. Um, I am one of your co-hosts. I'm Brandis Daniel. And I am Sybil Karkamudi. Hey, y'all. Hey, Sybil, let's talk about um, your weekend. What you do this weekend? Oh, my gosh. My weekend was a lot of fun. I did a lot of kid stuff, um, some bike riding. I went to dinner with Kwaku. I hung out and heard a friend sing some music. Yeah, so that's what my my weekend was about. What about yours? Nice. Well, we went to Cayman Islands for a I second. Said, okay, pause for a second. Because <laughs> this one never had. First of all, her weekend is never just a weekend. She's like, oh, I'm not just going to do something local. I, I need my passport. I need a, a carry-on oh. bag. And I need Rich by my side. Okay, so... <laughs> Just never mind the fact that I spend quality time with my family. This okay, Cayman. So you rich and and baby boo and the bomb went out to the Cayman Islands just to hang out for the we weekend. Went, we went to the Cayman Islands. No, for our second anniversary. No, I know that part. Happy anniversary to you guys. So we just but celebrated you just decided our anniversary. That, so but we you just Cayman. came back from Savannah. That was a few weeks ago. That was not a few weeks ago. <laughs> that was like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I love it. Listen, keep traveling. Oh, so, yes, Cayman. it was great. I loved yes. it. Because you know sometimes you go to um, island countries and it's sometimes it can be a little bit depressing. Yes. Because it's like, okay. Right outside yeah, the Yeah, I'm living in this great place, <laughs> but then the people in the country, like, they aren't living yeah. great. So Cayman, was, it was just beautiful. Everyone there seemed like they were just so happy. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that the exchange rate was there, there was higher than ours. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. So that was a shock, um, but it was so much fun. So what's up? Girl, I'm excited. Like, so we've been talking to so many people about this podcast. Guys, yes. this is before we release it. And every time we talk about the podcast, people are like, so when is it? Is it out? Like... So yes, the energy around it has been great. It's been so and great. And people have been eager to figure out like how they can get a part of it and and also we found some people that we want to bring on yeah, to I've, talk with you guys. Yes. So, so. no, it's exciting. Nice. Nice. So we're talking about entrepreneurship. Let's do it. Today. Today. Excellent. I think oh, this is a great topic. I feel like something's coming my way. <laughs> Just an FYI, I can sense when Brandis is about to like pull her dagger out and pierce my <laughs> pierce my little bashful side and kick me wide open. All right, let's talk. So let's talk. <laughs> so simple. You're a yes. new entrepreneur. I am. You know what? I'm a resurging entrepreneur. You are a resurging I entrepreneur am. because you were always you've been an entrepreneur going for a while. on. Yes. So how does it feel? So you've been out of your day job for how long now? For two weeks. Wow. Yes. I've been shaking in my boots for two weeks. Wow. And walking on water for two weeks. And it's been it's been a very rewarding experience, honestly. Good. Honestly. And I know one of the things you're going to start is Inspirific. Yes. So Inspirific will be launching at the end of the summer. It's going to be a great place for us uh, as women to go and get content that can help motivate and ignite us in our purpose and give us um, sort of a boost for our daily lives. I hope you've trademarked this before we go on yes, this Yes, okay, it's good. in trademark process. Okay, good. <laughs> 
<laughs> People don't go out there trying to get the name. It's horrific. No, it's, it's taken. already taken. It's taken. <laughs> Trademark is pending. Yeah. Good. So like, okay, so I know you went in. What? When did you actually resign from your job? So this is really wild. I, when did I, I resigned in my heart in January. Okay. <laughs> in January, I had the speech in the mirror okay. before I was going to work that day oh, wow. about how after the holiday, I'd come to the realization that it was time for me to move forward and pursue passion projects. Okay. I did the physical resignation in person in the office on my birthday on April 15th. Wow. So, yeah, four so it took me four months to actually manifest that conversation. Wow. What was the hardest part about it for you? You know, the hardest part for me was that um, I have been working um, side by side with a friend for about 10 years in um, to build out a business that we could all be a part of and know that we were creating a legacy collectively um, for with our, with, you know, doing work with brands that we love and people that we love. So to walk away from that feeling like I was leaving that behind was very hard because mm-hmm. I'm not a quitter. Wow. Yeah. Wow. How did you know it was time to go? You know, I always knew that there was more to me than just one job or one career, but Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to make everything happen at once. And um, I've been working with a client last year and working with him on a project that he was doing. And literally it was, you know, a moment where I looked at his Wikipedia page and there were at least five descriptions to who he is. And I can say that he rightfully owns each one of those. Wow. Can you tell us who it is? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I can't tell you who it is. Okay. But I can tell you that you know him and um, he is a legend in his right and, a, and very well respected for everything that he does. And I realized that all five things were built off of his core authenticity. Wow. So, you know, he's an author, a speaker, um, a businessman, uh, a businessman, excuse me, um, a product developer, et cetera. And all of these things, everything that he's built um, within his brand have been built off of who he is, his his brand identity. Mm -hmm. So everything tied back. And it gave me the realization that within my brand identity, there are many facets to who I am. And Mm -hmm. it was something that God actually showed me or revealed to me um, within a conference that I went to. And he talked to me about, you know, what a jewel, a jewel has many facets in that if you are a jewel, which you are, we're, we're God's most precious jewels, that's what yeah. we are to him, that our life is multifaceted. Mm-hmm. But we tend to take our lives and make them very linear. Absolutely. I work here. I do this. I die doing this. Right. This right. is what I do. Right. And we take that and we attach that as this is who I am. Right. And Absolutely. those are separate things. It's so true. So that's so yeah. True. So that revelation was hitting me in different ways over the past, probably since actually 2013. But it was the courage finally to stand up for my passion, what mm-hmm. I believe my life is about. Wow. Yeah. What was the scariest part? for you about taking that leap? Oh my goodness. The scariest part for me in taking that leap would have to be the road ahead. Mm-hmm. Not being able to see what's ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, when you work, when you've been in a career for so long and you're really good at what you do, and I'm not tooting my own harm, but I, I've been in my career for so long for a reason because I am good at what I do. I know what I'm capable of doing in my own works. I know that if everything is failing around me, I still have the capacity to build for a brand or to resurrect or to create a, um, to create a campaign that will revitalize the brand. I know mm-hmm. this. 
So I can see that ahead of me. But right. in this space, and I'm also very good at branding other people. Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm you at a point are. where I'm branding myself. Which is always the hardest <laughs> part. <laughs> I would never put myself in a position where I would amplify me. But as an entrepreneur, that's what you have to do. You have to promote yourself, your product, your goods, your services. Or you could not, and then you could suffer the consequences and then you of could that. Have a dying brand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's it. Not being able to see what's ahead of me. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I'm a planner. I went to school for this, so I, I do planning is a major part of my life. So I can I can plan out the next five years and I expect it to manifest. In this space, I have to plan people's responses to me, and that's according to what I believe is possible. Mm. And that's that's complex. That's very complex. Yeah. That's very yeah. complex. What about you? What? I mean, you've been an entrepreneur. You've been a thriving entrepreneur for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Almost to the point that I feel like you, you, have, you are iconic in what you do because no one in your space is doing what you do. You've been able to innovate your space and introduce a new conversation. No one's talking about minorities in fashion and what that need was for designers. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of conversation about the runway, a lot of conversation about models, right? But not conversation on the back end. So what made you think that you qualified to do that? I did not think I qualified. What? (laughs) I did not. So you're just crazy. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. No, I really didn't. Like, I didn't think I qualified at all. That was the thing that I struggled with for so many years. I did not think I qualified for this. I knew that this was a vision God had given me. I knew that this was what I was supposed to do with my life, but I did not understand why I had been selected for this. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I can remember saying aloud, so-and-so would have been much better at, I would literally mm-hmm. name mm-hmm. like four people who I would think could have been much better suited to start Harlem's Fashion Row than me. Wow. And that's literally how I really felt in the beginning. I, I just did not understand it, but I knew that this was something that I was absolutely supposed to do. Um, mm-hmm. It took me, it took me a while to really own it. I mm-hmm. mean, it was, you know, it, I went through a year of coaching with a business coach, which mm-hmm. really helped me out a lot. But I just, you know, I'm from Memphis. I'm, I come from- Shout out to the 901. Okay, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's so sad. But I'm from Memphis. I'm like, I don't come from like a family with money. Like I'm, you know, I have my own little sense of style, but I wouldn't call myself like the most fashionable person on the block. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't work for like a glossy fashion company. Mm -hmm. So I just felt like all those things, it was like made me kind of like stay in the background Mm -hmm. and push my mission to the front because I just did not understand how I could be qualified for this. But I knew it was something that I had to do. So that didn't keep me from moving forward. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this has to be done. But it was a shame because I missed out on some really great opportunities because I didn't own Harlem's Fashion Row. As a matter of fact, when people ask me, Brandis, what was your biggest mistake um, as an entrepreneur? I always say my biggest mistake was not owning HFR. Mm-hmm. That was a big mistake for me because mm-hmm. I missed out on a lot. Nobody can ever talk to your vision the way that you can. Yeah. You can't be ashamed to shine your light. You can't be ashamed yes. to show your light and to you know, say, this is what I've accomplished. I mean, mm-hmm. we all know I could not have accomplished this you know, without God, but I can't be afraid to be the one to stand up and say hey, I'm the CEO and founder of Harlem's Fashion Row. So I literally had to practice saying it over and over again because it was so uncomfortable for me to say that. 
Was it something, was it that Harlem's fashion role was so big in your head and you felt so small? Or yes. was it, that's what it was? Okay. If it was so big. And I still, like, you know, Harlem's fashion role is still this really big thing. And I understand the purpose that it has. I understand that it's not about me mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. It's like gonna impact people that I don't even know, people who aren't even born yet. Yeah. It's gonna impact them. So it was just really difficult for me to then stand up and, and own something like that. And I still don't completely own it because I really do believe that it's something that had to be done. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to be the one chosen for, but I really feel like it was gonna go forth with or without me. I really do. Mm-hmm. I believe that with all my heart because it needed to happen. So my biggest thing now is like, I just want to take responsibility for it in the right way. Got you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I want to care mm-hmm. for it in the right way. It's mm-hmm. like in my hand, kind of like I guess when you have children, right? Mm-hmm. You know it's they're your yours yeah. and your babies, yeah. but you don't really own them. No. I, I tell people all the time, I feel like I'm a babysitter for God. Yeah. I'm like, I feel like somebody's gonna come scoop my kids up. I don't know where they're going with them and they haven't showed up yet, but yeah. it doesn't mean, <laughs> I just feel a certain amount of honor to be gifted with, with with my children, and I feel like that creative power in your hands is a gift. Yeah, you know. So same thing with you. Same thing. But I would say to HFR, my observation from the outside has been that HFR, your entrepreneurial baby, has been a gateway for people to really understand you and your passion. Do you think so? Absolutely, because it's unexplainable in so many ways why you, how you, and when you. If someone were trying to figure out the backstory, they wouldn't say, okay, she comes from a fashion family, she's been with Vogue for a number of years, and now (laughs) she's started this new thing, and she's doing it, and she's been heralded by the industry because of this. No, it's not that. It's not that at all. (laughs) So it's who is this chick that has the audacity to want to come in and do what she's doing, and then to meet her is like, wow, this is really passion. Mm-hmm. This is really authenticity. This is really true desire to, it's a mission. You're going to make me cry. It me. is, though. Because look at how it's opened so many other opportunities for you to it evolve has. your brand. It has. And it's because I feel like as an entrepreneur, you didn't chase after the thing that makes money. Mm-mm. You chased after the mission that would bring your life you know, bring more light to your life. I really do believe that. I'm so serious. So she's about to cry. We're going to get tears in five, four, three, two, one. (laughs) I love it. But this is a key, guys, I feel to entrepreneurship that is so important. Chasing money will always fail you. I totally believe that. I believe that too. I believe if you chase checks, you will spend your whole life burnt out chasing checks, chasing after other people's passion because money is not the passion. It's true. It's the outcome of what you can do if you have the right tools in your hand. No, it's absolutely true. The mission. It is. And what's so funny, I mean, for me, I've gone through some really, really, really tough years. And you guys can hear, like, the nasal sound in my voice. This is Sybil's fault. She got me <laughs> crying up in the studio. But I've, I struggled for so many years. And now going into the eighth year of Harlem's Fashion Row, it's very interesting because it's like everything that's happened with that has given me a separate platform for speaking, a separate platform for moderating panels, a separate platform. It's provided all of these other revenue opportunities opportunities that quite honestly I didn't plan right and they all tie to your mission they do they all tie to your mission so I think that's another important note that we have to share I think the strongest entrepreneurs are mission-minded I really believe that the strongest entrepreneurs has 
um, has had a mission in their heart or in their mind to serve people by delivering a certain service or good. It's never been, I want to be a millionaire so I can go live a life and do X, Y, and Z. It's always been, I want to create provisions for other people by doing something. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And that's a big difference in how many branches to your tree. So, okay, in in this stage of entrepreneurship, because you've been hungry as an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because every day is not payday. Every day is not payday. Every day is not payday. And in the early stages, there are some, some very dry days. And it's sometimes it's always, it's almost hard for people to buy into the idea of what you're selling. Mm-hmm. So what do you think your key was to making people really connect with what you were doing with Harlem's Fashion Market? I didn't, I didn't connect with everybody in the very beginning. Uh-huh. So I tried to connect with everybody. Quite honestly, I thought Harlem's Fashion Row was like the best thing since sliced bread uh-huh. and that everybody should want to come on board. That was really how I felt. Uh-huh. And for me, when somebody didn't come on board, I was like, oh, they'll get it later. They don't get it now, but they'll get it later. And that's happened to me so many times. So one of my other rules is I, I don't take anything personal. Uh-huh. I try to take, that's a good I one. I really try not to take anything Hold on. personal. Take note on that and tweet it. <laughs> Yeah. Go out, say it. Don't take anything personal. Yeah, because it's it's you know, people won't always get your vision. I can't be offended because people don't see my vision. Yeah. Like that's crazy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it just it just doesn't work like that. So in the beginning, I would literally just share my vision with people. I would talk to them about it. I would tell them how big I thought it was. Everything I thought about the company is what I would tell them. And the people who got it, got it in the beginning. And I had plenty of people who got it and who came on board and who helped me and who poured and sold into Harlem's Fashion Row in the very beginning, like so many people. And then there were people who didn't get it. There were people who I can remember, I think I'm, I don't know, guys, sometimes I might retell stories. I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> old ladies do that. But, we, 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 two grannies <laughs> sitting here old, telling stories over and over again. But I'll never forget, I was at this party in the Hamptons at the time, uh, one of my mentors, who was really super supportive of me, she introduced me to somebody. She went over to this group of people, and they all were like fashion heavyweight. Uh-huh. And I remember we were by the pool. It was a beautiful setting. And I was so excited about Harlem's Fashion Row. I think we had just done our very first event. And she was telling them about me doing this for minority designers and how I was, you know, you know, building this thing new and whatever. And I could remember this guy looking at me in my face and saying, oh, we tried that before and that didn't work. And then went back to his conversation. Oh, wow. And let me, I will never, ever, ever forget it. I won't forget the person. Wow. Are we <laughs> I, revealing him? I, no, I'm no? not going to reveal okay. him. I'm not going to no reveal, reveal him. today. But I, but I will but never, ever, I'll, I'll never forget that. Yeah. Like he probably, he probably has no clue. And like, he meant nothing by it. He meant yeah. nothing by it. He was just really serious that he had tried it before or they had tried it before. It didn't work for them, and so it wouldn't work for me. And that was like his assumption, and that's What was your response to him, or did you even bother? I just, I didn't respond. Uh I mean, he was on to his conversation, and you know, I just kind of played along with it, what I was gonna say, you know what I mean? Your mama, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, well, I was upset, Uh you know, but I wasn't gonna walk away crying about it. I was just like, okay, because when you first start something, people don't always get it. I saw it with my dad. Like, you start something, people don't always understand it. And so I was just kind of like, okay. You know, I ain't gonna Mm -hmm. say it didn't sting. It definitely stung, but clearly, I'm still talking about it all these years later, but. Well, let's talk a little bit about that thick skin because that's built through some of those kind of experiences where a door is shut and, or where you're so excited about this great idea that you have had in your heart and you 
you've been building and dreaming on and you introduce it and people barely clap mm. <laughs> or they're like Crickets. oh nice try or let me know how that goes and there's no buy-in yeah and emotionally there's all these uh moments of rejection as an entrepreneur where the only person sometimes in your corner is you there is this dang it i wish i could remember the name of this book you know me and my book and her book her catalog <laughs> guys i'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna put that on my always give you eventually. 10 books three i'm gonna tell you there is this book it's this project that this guy did and i think it's called the rejection project or the failure project but literally what he did was he put himself in position to be rejected every single day wow and it was like I don't know I forgot it was like a hundred day project or something like that and so he would do just all these crazy things like go to McDonald's and then like ask somebody to buy him coffee you know just go to, he would just do all these things oh we found it it's called fear buster but it was just, I, I listened to him on a podcast, one of the podcasts that I listened to, Smart Passive Income with Pat Flynn. Shout out to Pat Flynn. You inspire me all the time. But anyway, <laughs> but I was like, that's kind of what it takes to be an entrepreneur. People mm -hmm. are not going to get your vision right off. Yeah. They really won't. I mean, when I first started HFR and there were five boutiques that I wanted to be a part of the very first show, the one who I volunteered in his boutique told me yes. Everybody else said no. Wow. So it's like, okay, so how do you handle a no? Like, if you mm -hmm. cannot handle a no, you are not meant to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. It's just what it is. Yeah. You have no, to be able really to handle true. a no. Like, a no means nothing, really. And honestly, it's one no coming from one out of billions of people in this world who have the capacity to say yes. Absolutely. And you never know. Somebody could be an intern when you first meet them, and, and two years later, they're at the top of their game, and they have the capacity to say yes when they said yes as an intern, and now you know they're a, a, a top tier at Vogue, and they can say yes to you for some type of sponsorship. You just never know. So you can never discount anyone's yes. You can never discount anyone's you know? yes. And don't take a no at face value. I would no. never take a no at Absolutely face value. Not. Because Absolutely people not. are so fickle, just as quick as you know, a person can change their mind about something that no converts to a yes. Yeah. I mean, I kept going back. I eventually got four out of five yeses. Nice. Because... I bet you could get all of them now today <laughs> if you wanted to. Easily. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, you really have to put yourself out there. And I know it requires a lot of vulnerability. Ooh. Oh, that's a word we hate, right? Girl. It girl. <laughs> okay, so this was great. Podcast over. No, I'm joking. <laughs> But it requires a lot of vulnerability to put yourself out there. Yes. But you really have to constantly push yourself, almost make it a practice of putting yourself out there for people to be able to tell you no. Because otherwise you get too comfortable. It's true. It's true. You know, you really get too comfortable. So it's like a matter of just constantly taking risks. That is very true. And I'll say this because um, along that same line, about, I want to say 10 years ago, Kwaku and I had, my husband Kwaku and I, shout out to Kwaku. Shout out Kwaku. Um, we had a greeting card collection called Milk and Honey Cards. And Did I know about this? I'm not sure if you knew about this, I but this was one of our adventures. We actually weren't even married at the time, so it had to be like 11 or 12 years ago. We started a business, a greeting card um, collection, and it was growing and it was thriving. We were doing it right from... Kwaku's apartment, literally designing, printing them, taking Bible scriptures, and um, selling them to different bookstores. And what was wild was that we got put in about 10 bookstores really fast, wow. which was great. The numbers started growing, and we were afraid of the success, and we stopped. 
because we thought we couldn't handle it. And that's a very creepy place to be in, but it's a very real place. People think that they're ready for whatever their vision of success is until it starts quickly approaching. And you realize that maybe you haven't equipped yourself fully emotionally for the idea that you can have it. I wasn't ready to own the idea that I could have a certain level of success. Even Even if it meant an extra couple of thousand dollars a month in income, at that stage in my life, I did not feel that I qualified to have success at a certain level. Wow. Yeah. You just said a word. Because I think people, we think we're afraid of failure. We're not afraid of failure. If, you're, if you've been at the bottom, like you're not afraid to go back yeah. to the bottom. Because yeah. you're like, I that. mean, I have nowhere but up to go from here. Yeah. yeah. But people are de- people, Brandis. I mean, we're deathly afraid of success. Mm -hmm. I didn't even realize I was afraid of success um, until I was actually in therapy. Mm. And when I was when I was going to therapy, um, y'all see, I outsource a lot of things. Therapy (laughs) coaching. But when I was in therapy, I realized that I was actually really afraid of success. And Mm -hmm. we kind of like talk through that. Mm -hmm. Um, My husband is a huge, huge, huge reason why I'm not as afraid of success as I used to be Mm -hmm. because he just holds me to such a high standard. Mm -hmm. So now half the time I'm trying to like reach the thing the goal I told him I would do mm-hmm. <laughs> but because mm-hmm. he holds me to what I tell him yeah I, I was so afraid of success mm-hmm. so what do you think I mean so when you guys had this greeting card company like when did you shut it down like at what point we shut it down when all of the I mean literally we would maintain by day with work and we would build at night and once we realized that night was spilling into day meaning like the the very thing that we were building was growing and would require more time. We were afraid of the idea that we would have to walk away from our salaries in exchange for building at a certain level and making progress with it. So we just quit. We just so we did our last run with the bookstore and we let them sell out. And from there, we didn't we didn't continue. Wow. And I feel like, you know, there was a big piece of failure that tied to that because we both had to assess what was it inside of us that said no, mm-hmm. that said no, we're not doing this after we had already, you know, we already knew in our hearts that it was something that we should be doing. And, you know, honestly, we, we weren't in a place where we were prepared to compete. We weren't in a place where we were, com- we were prepared to own. And mm-hmm. now I'm like, gosh, if I had known back then that I don't have to compete, I could just own my identity. We can own our unique brand. We don't have to compete. It would have made life so much easier. What do you mean by that? Meaning, in my head, thinking that I need to compete with other brands like Hallmark oh. or compete with uh, Quotables okay. or compete with uh, Max Lucado or some of these other. So uh, that was the part that was intimidating. Yes. You start How can about we build? Exactly. But there are no competitors. There are no competitors. No. Every brand is different. Every brand is unique. I had no clue of that. So I was very busy measuring what it would take for us to get to a certain place. And it felt so far away. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. I did this thing on Facebook one time where I asked people what stopped them from moving forward. Mm-hmm. Like, like, what's what stopped you? If you have a vision and you have something that you really want to do, like, what do you think stops? No, here's what I, here's how I asked it. Okay. I said, what do you think stops people uh, from moving uh-huh. forward? So they talk about all their friends. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. 
And uh, so that made people more comfortable <laughs> answering the question. And no one said fear of success. Interesting. No one, not one person. Because people don't think don't, they're afraid of it. Yeah, nobody yeah. said that. They said, yeah. like, fear of failure. Some people said, I'm fear I'm going to be homeless. Wow. It was like, you know, people fear that people won't support me. I don't have a good support system, all these things. But nobody said fear of success. Well, because to get success and sustain it, there takes a large amount of intellect and support. And it doesn't have to be your own intellect. It's knowing when to pull other people into your ranks. And I feel like that's where a lot of people miss it. And so, so many people think that they can be the same person that they are at one level at the next level. And there's a, a quite an evolution that has to take place for a person to go from level A to level B to level C to level D. But people feel their perception in their minds that just like this, at level A, this person can handle millions of dollars at, at the next three levels, and I can do the same accounting that I'm doing with thousands, with millions, and keep it. And that's a lie. Right. No. It's a <laughs> you know, it's a lie. So people feel like in their minds that there's a certain amount of preparedness because you're doing what you're doing at this level. It's not true. There's a growth. It, it, there is a growth, but the thing is you don't have to, you do need to plan for growth, but I think a lot of the growth happens organically. Yes, you just like, embrace it. I am just not the same person I was in 2007. Like, yeah. I, like the, the core of me is the same. I have the same passion um, then that I had now. You know, I can still talk about Harlem's Fashion Row and talk about like why I do what I do and tear up in a heartbeat because I love it so much. Uh -huh. um, I still have all of those core things about me, but like the way that I handle myself, the way that I handle other people, the way that I handle business is totally different. And a lot of it is just through like trial and error, like yeah. me figuring it out that, okay, that's not going to work. Yeah. You know, um, so you don't have to, I guess I want to say this because I don't want people to hear this and think that they have to figure out, okay, well, because some people would be like, oh, crap. Like, what am I going to do? She's saying that I need to be a different person at that. I don't know no. how I'm going to get to that different person. You need to embrace the idea that change will come. It will come. And that you should be a part of it and you shouldn't run from it. Yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like you need to have a, uh, be, be willing to call on wise people to help you in the places where you know nothing. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And, 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 and it's scary. Like, the whole journey is, is going to be, you're going to feel fear the whole way. Yeah. There's, Absolutely. There is still fear. I literally, I actually have a panel on Saturday. I heard about that it. <laughs> so Brandis, just so you guys, so you get, you guys know, I'm just, I'm just gonna out her. Brandis has all of these amazing things that's happening, and at some point she'll tell you about them. But it's, it tends to be like after the fact. So you'll be out in an event, and someone will say something about Brandis, and they'll be like, "Oh, are you going to see her at the American Black Film Festival where she's speaking on a panel? Oh, really? That's this Saturday? Oh, I knew nothing about it, even though." <laughs> I would think she would tell me. So just just so you know, when you hear about Brandis being out and about at places that you want to go support her, don't feel bad. She don't tell me things either. All right, as you were. You have a panel on Saturday that I found out about. Go ahead. So, yes. <laughs> so I'm moderating a conversation on Saturday. And I've moderated, you know, a lot of conversations. But there's still, like, fear around it. I'm like, dang it, I got to make sure this thing is really good. Like, yeah. so, you know, I'm blocking off, like, hours of time tomorrow and today to just to, like, work on this. So it's like you still have fear. Like, I think, you know, when people start businesses, or people thinking about business, they think that certain people, like once you get to a certain place, you don't feel any fear, like everything mm. is normal, but. Mm -hmm. Well, you have new, 
I don't want to say new devils, but you have new circumstances. You have new circumstances. Yeah, you, you know, the the, the uh, air is different at new altitudes, and once Absolutely. you get up there, you have to shift because you just never know what's approaching. There's different birds, <laughs> different I, I, altitudes. It is. The weather's different. There's so many different things that come at you. It's a whole new world, and I feel even in my experience career-wise, going from one shift to another in my career and progressing with clients, the more I start to learn about people at different levels of financial success, it opened me up to the idea that I have so much more learning to do. That just as I think I'm learning a lot about where I am now, there's always more. Yes. There's always more. And it takes a wise person to really realize that you are a forever student. Yes. Like, we are constant students to someone or something or to life in general. Absolutely. So this was good for me. I got some stuff to think about. I mean, it's going to work out. You're going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. I'm so excited. <laughs> What's crazy is that you're going to be with me every step of the way. You guys are going to be with us every step of the way. And there's a lot more that comes ahead of this entrepreneurial journey of ours. Yeah, and there may be something that we missed. Like, if there's something that we missed during this conversation talking about entrepreneurship, like, we would love to hear from you guys. Like, yes. what, did, what did we not cover that you want to make sure that we cover? And, you know, are there some other fears out there that we didn't touch on that you guys might have? Like, let's start a conversation about it because I know so many of you have your own side gig and passions and things that you want to do. Mm -hmm. Hey, if we can help you get there, that's our goal. That's right. So we want you, as usual, to head to that Facebook page. Make sure you're putting your new questions or your commentary about the podcast. Good, bad, and ugly. Listen, we're open to the idea that we suck according to your opinion or that we're <laughs> awesome according to your opinion. Whatever that is, we'd like to know because we want to make sure that we're adding value. Absolutely. So get on Facebook. Get on Twitter. Make sure you support us everywhere you go. Take the time to tell a friend or two about our podcast. And more importantly, don't forget to listen into the next one. All right? It's coming up. So we thank you. It's been a pleasure. I'm Sybil. And I'm Brandon. And we are signing off. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>